Daniel Lukies and welcome to Book 101. Book 101 is all about the books that I read for the last 40 years. And today I have my special guest. She's the author of several books, no other than Miss Safa Burnell. Hi, hi, I'm Safa Burnell, Canadian author of the Usurper King's Poetry Collection, Cyberpunk Works, Neon Lieben, and Cagewire, and the Mythpunk Works Top Shelf and Coco Craze, which are system agnostic TTRPGs, and my newly released Mythpunk novel, Char and Ash, which is Judge of Mystic Sega Book One. You can find me and my writings on the ethics of AI, comparative mythology, and critique streams at SafaBurnell.com. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, and for the last two weeks, Miss Burnell, we talk about your Judge of Mystic Saga. So let, yes. So let's do the recap of all those books. Book one. Char and Ash. It is the book of knowledge is gone and someone is trying to kill the gods. The mystic realms keep a tenuous peace after centuries of war. Forged into the realm's only judge, demigod Caleb Matheson is both peacemaker and executioner of the mystic truce. When Caleb is called to the charred remains of a scorched sacred grove outside Dover, rumors reignite tensions as Ares warns of war's whispers. High Queen Selica is hiding something in the roots and petals of her fey court, and it smells of char and ash someone is burning the groves planted from the bodies of fallen soldiers which will reincarnate as fey and caught between the mystic truce Ares demands for answers and concern for his cursed lover's safety caleb descends into a roiling adventure to find the perpetrators before the mystic realms lose faith in him and in peace Little does he know the perpetrator Stannis stole something far more precious than belief in gods and heroes. Charon Ash is an emotional and captivating myth-punk supernatural fantasy and the first novel in The Judge of Mystics saga. Wow, interesting indeed. If you want to learn more about Charon Ash, how Miss Burnell compare to Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller or... You need to listen to our episode. So let's talk about the second book. Yes, the second book is called Son of Abel. And it starts off right at the end of Char and Ash with Caleb Matheson going, I want out. The entire cosmos hiccups around Finnegan the Fae. Mystic judge Caleb Matheson desperately clings to the journal of a 7th century Catholic cardinal, obsessed with a magical tattoo that threatens to crumble the mystic realms to wrath and war, a place they knew and fear too well. Spiraling with only his scheming ex Delilah to help, quote-unquote, Caleb searches for the elusive way out of the truce as he descends through the essence of grief in two layers of hell on earth. Finnegan breaks his exile to find Caleb's absentee father, Raynar, to wrench Caleb loose before his absence strips the realms of their judge and protector. Before, Delilah weaves Caleb into plans of her own, and wrath shatters through to the last root of the world tree. Interesting <laughs> more, people. <laughs> Son of Abel, if you are again interested how Ms. Bernal crafted it, the struggles, and a lot more, listen to our second episode. So, Ms. Bernal, what is the difference of writing poetry 
and writing a novel. I think the first thing with poetry is how experimental you can be. In poetry, you're kind of celebrating experiment. You know, with novel, there's certain structure, there's certain grammar, there are rules. And yes, there are rules in poetry too, but you can also release yourself in the freedom of the form. And whether you're, you know, writing a sonnet or going after skaldic poetry in those systems or haiku or whether you're doing just completely free verse, there's a lot of liberation from sort of the connective tissue that you get writing a novel, you know, having to connect A and B and C and D and E all the way through, you know, F, G, H. Um, in a poem, it's about the sensation. It's about the image. It's about that emotional feeling that you imbue and not necessarily about making sure that every single character in the story had their moment. Because you can write another poem about that. Yes. In writing process, which is more easier or more difficult to do. Hmm. So my university creative writing professor, my favorite professor from my university days, she used to say, uh, when it comes to a novel, if you cannot reduce the novel down into a single poem, you don't know the story well enough. And in that way, I think poetry is about reducing things down and kind of distilling things down. And just like flash fiction, you know, it can take an incredibly long amount of time per word to get that perfect distillation down into the, you know, scant few, whatever it's going to be, you know, 50, 100, 200 words of a poem, you know, sometimes even less, sometimes, you know, seven or eight words. For me, I think, I think it takes me longer per word to figure out a poem. You get a novel going, you start writing, you start just putting those words on a page. And depending on how fast you are, you know, you can be writing, you know, upwards of thousands of words per hour. But it's different with poetry, you can't do that same amount of kind of just epic stuff on a page, you have to slow down, you have to kind of wait and be patient it. So I would definitely think that poems take longer to craft and make exact something like you know a short story or a novel where you're putting the words down in a different way um at least that's the way that i look at it i think too just so different you know it's uh it's like in art you know are you painting with say oil paint and that kind of thing and spending so much time kind of putting different layers on and uh, sure that all of the paint is is kind of fading into the different colors and and making sure that the shadows and highlights pop and things like that or you're doing a blind contour drawing from a live model well blind contour drawings can be so much more you know the sketch and that quick burst of something whereas that canvas is going to take you a whole lot longer uh, really get the essence of everything you need to down so well you even chance to choose first to write a novel or a poetry 
So I was actually given the chance early in my career as to whether or not Usurper Kings, my poetry collection, would be the first thing that I novel. Uh, I was I was faced with that choice, you know, right in my face. And the choice ended up being poetry first. Well, it was the most complete of my works in the way that so Usurper Kings is about the feminine through time. It is about extrapolating the idea of feminine um, gender from hunter-gatherer societies all the way to some form of transhumanist future where it it into a machine. And so we've got five acts to go through uh, from hunter-gatherer all the way through different kinds of layers of society. It was itself a complete thought. All of the poems fit. They all locked together. There were a few poems that we, we modified. And, uh, but for the collection it was of my mind time and it was very visceral and real and it breathed it had situations that i do right then you know there's the helen of troy cycle uh which is a four poem cycle within usurper kings which talks about my time in the film industry and that was all very raw very personal and very real at that moment and so when it came to what are you going to work on first, are you going to have Usurper Kings come out first or are you going to have uh, a novel, which we will eventually see in the Lieben cycle, and it's a cyberpunk novel. The decision was that this poetry, one, a work perspective, it needed the least amount of work. Uh, but two, it was something I was very ready for to bear that part of my spirit and my soul in a way that looking back at, at it now, you know, 10 years later, I'm glad You Super Kings was the first thing that was published. I'm glad that I had more time to grow up and to learn, live in this incredible world of ours before I tackled that novel in its entirety. B but poetry was was very of its time. And I say that fondly because, you know, I couldn't write some of those poems now because I'm not in those situations. I'm not writing about something very personal, you know. Um, some more of the poems in Usurper Kings have to do with my being a, the only, I should say, the only female martial arts instructor in a Taekwondo school. I ran the school for many years. You know, I was a uh, instructor and also the program director of the academy. And the experience of in a predominant masculine field. And so that experience of my life is over. It's done. You know, I'm no longer martial arts on a daily and weekly basis. So that too, such perfect moments of their time put out. That was exactly what I needed to put out then that's the foundation of the works that I needed to kind of allow to breathe I moved on to the more well really the more fantastic as in speculative things of my cyberpunk and mythpunk career but before we go on Miss Burnell I want to shout out to the people listening in the most livable city in the world Austria of course in Vienna the most livable number one city in the world, 68% audience share. Istia, 
Vorval Berg at 6%, Salzburg at 6%, Upper Austria at 3%, Carinthia at 3%, and last but not the least, Bergenland at 3%. The third book of your saga. Book of Revels is another one that happens immediately after Son of Abel. Just like Son of Abel happens immediately after Char and Ash, Book of Revels picks up the next day. From And this is where we get some of the turning point with Caleb. So we've had Char and Ash, which is this sort of venture. And, you know, it's him and it's Tuya. And they're trying to figure out who's trying to burn these sacred groves and what's happening. And we have to stop this before it ignites into a war. And then we get to Son of Abel, which after the events of Char and Ash becoming incredibly insular and personal, not to deal with the events of Char and Ash. And I won't spoil them because, you know, I, I do want people to read those books. Uh, so, uh, we get to Son of Abel and we start a reconnection by the. Basically, Caleb is reconciled with his father that he hasn't seen in, in decades. All of a sudden, this figure is back in his life. And he's not going anywhere. He's going to stick it out, even though wasn't there when, you know, things went down in Charmed Ash and, and all this kind of thing. So you're dealing with some of that. But then Book of Evil starts the next day when Delilah, the ex-lover of Caleb's who we meet in Son of Abel, I can't believe you did that. How dare you? That's it. You owe me one. I went to all that trouble, and this is what happened in the end. You'll find out in Son of Abel what happened. So, no, there we are. Uh, <laughs> you owe me so much. I'm going to make you pick up my daughter from the boarding school she just got kicked out of. Pick her up, take her home, deal with her. I'm going to be busy on business for a few days. You take her, you handle her. And what? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like, what am I going to do? You know, taking care of some some girl. And then some of the events of Son of Abel kind of preface the introduction of this character, this character named Lilith, uh, whom Caleb ends up calling Lily. And he does it. Not only because his dad was like, no, no, you have like, let's get this kid. There's something about this kid. We need to make sure that she's okay. And so Caleb goes, he grabs Lilith from the boarding school where, you know, he thinks he's going to pick up like a, some eight or nine year old kid, uh, enter a 13 year old with teal hair and more makeup than a drag show on her face going, I can take care of myself. Get the F away from me. Oh, my goodness. And him being like, oh, shoot. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> but for Lilith, it starts out with her seeing Caleb and being like, oh, my gosh. My you're the judge. The oh, holy banhammer. Why did she send you? Thinking that her mother was so tired of her behavior that she sent the judge to condemn her soul. Burnell, judge of Mystic Saga. Book three, Book of Rebels, is a novel of celebration. Yes. In what it's way? a novel of celebration. It's a novel of uh, closure for a lot of things as well. So the main villain of Char and Ash ends up getting away. And we finally see that villain again in Book of Rebels. 
And so Book of Revels is the place where a lot of these loose ends start tying up before we get to the final book, to book four. And so Stana returns, you know, it has a lot to do with Lilith in the first place as well. And so Caleb is on a race against time. He's on a race to actually make sure that Stana gets her due for what she did in Char and Ash. And it is also that novel of reconnection because not only is he reconnecting with his father, but he's learning to reach out to friends. He is learning to actually say, you know what? Yeah, I need some help with this one and I need you to be by my side. And his friends are like, okay, yeah, we're here. <laughs> All you had to do was ask. <laughs> and so for me too, it's that just that psychological aspect of you have this, you know, strong man who is a little bit broken. He needs some help. He needs some people around him and he's never known how to ask. And this is the novel where he learns how to ask. And how does he learn that? Not only does he learn that through some of the events of Son of Abel, but he also learns that through looking at this 13 year old girl who's going, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to call it. If you're not going to like throw me into hell or something, then I think I need some help. And they end up going on an adventure together. And I mean, you know, there's a gigantic spoiler, which if you're on my world anvil, you will know that is not a spoiler anymore because uh, the Coco Craze game that I put out had takes place after the Judge of Mystic Sega. So if you've played Coco Crave, you already know the spoiler, uh, the spoiler being that um, Lilith is actually Caleb's daughter that he had never met and he had he had no knowledge of. Delilah completely hid the fact that this was his daughter. And uh, so he's got this kid and all of a sudden he finds out that it's actually his kid. And the first thing he does is step up. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The judge of the mystic saga. If book three is a celebration because this is a quartet how about the book four book four is rectification and healing so book three we go through some things there's an intense battle you know just like there's an intense battle at the end of son of abel there's also an intense battle uh called the uh, the battle of robson street which happens happens in book of rebels the aftermath of that comes into gun and gadab and because the entire quartet is really an inspection on family and reconnecting family and rebonding things that have been potentially broken or gotten complicated and things like that, you know, that interpersonal ickiness that can happen just when people are people. Ginungagap um, brings us full circle to where the entire foundation of Caleb's disconnection began. And that is the story of his father. It's the story of Reynar and it is being told, you know, with Caleb and Lilith and everybody that we've seen. And then we also get to finally have that moment where Reynar goes home, you know, for the first time in, since he was an infant, he returns to Asgard. He goes home, he sees his family and it is, Obviously, you know, there's tension there. There's lots of tension. He doesn't go home on his own free will. He ends up getting kidnapped and thrown into Asgard like a bag of potatoes. You know, all this stuff. There's explosions and the whole thing. But uh, it is a story of a man 
finally going home. And as Caleb is recovering from the events of Book of Revels and everything else, and, um, you know, Lou and the people we meet with Aries, they end up kind of trying to help Caleb out and trying to deal with all the things that are going on in all the different realms. We've got this story of Raynar having to let go of some of that anger and for everybody to find some healing while at the same time, they're also finding the way to finally destroy um, Cormac. Uh, Cormac being the king of the Fae, who uh, was the one to give Stana the idea of burning the sacred groves in the first place. So we finally get to see the overarching villain taken care of. We finally get to see the overarching tension of the family rectified. We finally get to see things coming together until we reach this place of wholeness. Remarkable, timeless mythology, Miss Bernal. But before we go on, I want to invite you to grab a copy of my latest climate change book, Earth Fever, Unraveling Climate and a Race to Restore Balance. It's all about a comprehensive and enlightening book about climate change nowadays, people. What's happening right now, especially in British Columbia, we are burning every summer. It's, it's awful. <laughs> yes, it's about time people to wake up. This book will give you a guideline, a portal that we need to act now, not later. We need to act now because it depends to us for our generation to generation to come. This climate change will be more aggressive as we enter to the 22nd century. Uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Probably in British Columbia, we're suffering uh, wildfire starting, let's say, June. Probably March we're starting wildfire in British Columbia. But, but people, please do your part to combat climate change. In small things like don't buy cars nowadays, buy electric cars instead, right, Ms. Bernal? There are a couple I'm looking at very, very keenly. Uh, for me, I I have owned my car for 15 years, the same car, and I feel like as long as it, it continues to run, instead of like buying new cars all the time, having one that stays and that you can make work for as long as possible will reduce a lot of that overcreation of different vehicles from different companies and things like that as well. But I'm looking at a couple electric cars. There's some really good ones out there, including like the Fisker Ocean. Uh, you know, some of the Teslas are just, just there's just bang and they're just super good. Uh, the i3, BMW i3, I mean, it's, 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 it's a cute car. It's a cute <laughs> car. I'll, I'll admit it. You know, it's cute. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Let's, Let's do your part, people. Small things make difference. Let's do our part to combat climate change. So, Miss Bernal, what is the best highlight of Book 3, Book of Revels? I personally think the best highlight of Book of Revels is going to be the gigantic battle at the end. <laughs> you know oh, I me, love I love that. a battle. <laughs> yeah. I love that if you portray it in a scene where, in a series or a motion picture. Yeah, it's it's very it's very camera worthy. I think Book of Rebels is very camera worthy. I think if uh, you know, aside from the gigantic battle scene at the end, I think my favorite scene is this prolonged moment where our antagonists, you know, Stana, Delilah, and Magni end up going to Ares 
and not realizing, you know, just how close Ares is to Caleb and his dad, um, Magni goes to Ares for help thinking that clearly if Ares is really strong in Midgard in this land of humans, then he's probably bored with the fact that there are no gigantic wars. So clearly Ares is the one we should go to because he will definitely help us, you know, raise the planet to the ground. He's probably bored out of his mind. Great. They get to Ares and Ares is like, <laughs> are you insane? <laughs> like, I like it here. I live here, you know, but also that Ares has changed over time Ares has modified himself yes he still stands up really strongly against injustice yes indeed yeah and he's not going to start a war for no reason and so when Magni sees that Ares is not going to follow him into this grand plan of you know reducing things to rubble and rebuilding things then the story picks up and we actually have this moment where Ares, you know, there's an altercation that happens, stuff goes down. And then while Ares is still kind of dusting off his knuckles after dealing with that, Caleb shows up. And just that juxtaposition of these different figures coming to Ares for help and him turning some down and then deciding what he's going to do on behalf of others. I, I really like it. It's a really good way to kind of show Aries's personality and especially Aries's personality as he continues to grow. You know, he is one of the massive characters in Char and Ash. And then we see none of him in Son of Abel because just timeline wise, things are going on. And I wanted it to be more about Caleb. And then when we get to Book of Revels again, here's an Aries who's licking the wounds of his pride. Yes. Do you have another option of the title of book three? I would probably continue with the word and then and or of and then another word. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, for it was it was strange with that one. Normally, you know, Son of Abel, that title came right away. That title was like, boom, there it is. Mm hmm. Uh, when it came to Char and Ash, it took us a while. It took a while of, of some workshopping to make it work. Book of Revels was another one of those ones that it almost like it started the book, the manuscript. I think I would probably find a way to tie it more into that sort of mystic family kind of feel if it wasn't titled Book of Revels. Um, Book of Revels also, you know, it is in certain sort of mystic circles, there's an actual specific meaning to Book of Revels. It's almost like this kind of spell book. But in this iteration in my Judge of Mystic saga, it's referring directly to the Book of Knowledge. And the Book of Knowledge is the book that as we heard in the synopsis of Charnash, it goes missing. And so we are tying back in to that book of knowledge moment being missing. And if you look at the cover art, there's actually an e-reader in the background. <laughs> there's, oh, okay. there's the figures <laughs> of Caleb and Lilith. And then there is this e-reader in the background because as we find out in, in Charnash, that's what happened to the book of knowledge. It transformed itself into a more modern, modern for 2017, uh, more modern form. And so, uh, oh gosh, that's a hard one. You know, it would pro. Oh, what would? Ah, <laughs> oh, that I have no idea. I think it would probably be something around Mystic Family or, or some things like that. Or, yeah, I would keep with the uh, the kind of form that we've got, though. 
Yes. So, so Miss Bernal, can you please invite our listeners to buy your, all your books? All of my books. Thank you so much, everyone. I, If you go to safabernell.com, that is S-A-P-H-A-B-U-R-N-E-L-L.com, you will have more information on all of my books, including Cage Wire, Charmed Ash, Neon Lieben, Coco Craze, and Usurper Kings. Uh, you can view them if you type in my name in any store that you find, everything from Barnes & Nobles to bookshop.org to Gardeners and Foils everywhere around the planet that you are. You can also purchase them directly from vredamedia.ca, which is my publisher. Uh, but if you go to safaburnell.com, there is a link there of where you can buy my books and all of the different stores that you can go to to get yourself a copy. If you would like a signed copy of my work, you can also purchase them directly from safaburnell.com. And I really hope you do because that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Help. people. Yes, yeah. Let's support indie author because they producing one of a kind novel stories. So, Miss Bernal, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Morticon people. See you soon. <laughs>